There is a great deal of interest today in our society on topics of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. While some people are flat out biased, the larger number suffer from unconscious bias that they don't always recognize. In this episode, we're exploring the benefits of tools and practices that allow us the benefit of gathering sensitive information from multiple perspectives. Welcome to The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zenger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is my good friend and leadership guru, Jack Sanger. Last year, during all of the Black Lives Matter protests, I had some really big revelations. You know, I've, I've never thought of myself to harbor any unconscious bias. I always felt like, you know, I want to show respect and kindness to everyone. But I really learned that I actually had blind spots due to my ignorance and lack of perspective. I remember looking through my Instagram and realizing that of the 600 people I follow on Instagram, only three were women of color. And I realized my, my social feed really limited my perspective of the world and of life. And I took the time to change it and to follow a lot of different voices from various cultures, religions, and backgrounds. And over the last year, it has really opened my eyes a lot. So that's the elephant in the room we're going to discuss today. And that is unconscious bias and the ways we can do better to recognize our blind spots. Yes, Bree, it's, I think it's rare to find a person who down deep does not on some occasions view those who are dramatically different from themselves with at least some degree of wariness or caution. Those differences could be the other person's country of origin, their skin color, their religion, their age, their gender, their sexual orientation, their language, their profession, their physical size, or their political views. By its very definition, unconscious bias is something about which we are not fully aware, and if we know we possess such bias, we often do our best to hide it. Well, what I really find telling is even though an individual themselves is only dimly aware of their unconscious bias surrounding diversity, inclusion, and belonging, others frequently notice it. it. They're very aware of it. However, others seldom express their reactions unless they agree with the bias. They understand that telling other people about their bias could quickly evolve into a very awkward or uncomfortable conversation. I mean, many have sat at a dinner table with a relative or a friend where someone clearly, something clearly biased is said, and the only reaction comes later, after the dinner, when like-minded individuals compare reactions to what was said. Yeah, so despite centuries of us preaching about loving one another, no one seems to have found a way to eliminate this unconscious bias that resides in most of us. As of this moment, we know of nothing that totally eradicates it. Education certainly helps. Travel and interaction with others minimizes it. 
Leaders who set good examples of inclusion and acceptance of others can mitigate it. For the time being, however, the best bet seems to be managing this unconscious bias more deliberately. We submit that 360-degree feedback is the most promising tool for impacting unconscious bias regarding diversity and inclusion and belonging in a really positive way. In an article you wrote with Joe Folkman, you brought up five different reasons why 360s or multi-rater feedback uh, may help individuals uncover their biases. And the first is pretty straightforward. Multiple raters help eliminate bias. It's been argued that the assessment of one's person's behavior by someone else is inherently full of error. That this supports this supports the statement of the Dutch philosopher Baruch Spinoza. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who in 1670 famously said, "What Paul says about Peter tells us more about Paul than about Peter." Yes, uh, when one person evaluates another person, it is correct to observe that there is noise or bias in that evaluation process. If one person performs the assessment, the conclusions are totally the perceptions of that one rater. Three scholars, a man named Mount, Scullin, and Goff, who have studied this phenomenon, describe basically two sources of error. First is the rater's overall perception of the individual. Do I think she's really competent or do I think she's just average? And the second is the tendency for the rater to be generally themselves lenient or stringent in rating other people. We've all known professors who were tough graders and some who were just easy, easier graders. These researchers concluded that those elements together make up about 54% of the total rater bias. When only one person rates another, 62% of the variance in the ratings can be accounted for by the individual rater's peculiarities of perception, and only 21% of the actual performance of the individual who is being rated shows up in the actual ratings. But then Mountain Scullin, two of those scholars, continued to write about this. And they said the advantages of using multiple raters are readily apparent. For each perspective, the use of two raters increases the amount of ratee performance that is captured by the ratings by about 50%. For example, the amount of performance variance that is captured using two boss ratings goes from 31% to 45%. They go on to state, when two boss, two peer, and two subordinate ratings are used together, the effects are even more pronounced. The amount of ratee performance, or the person who's being evaluated, that variance accounted for by the six ratings increases now to 68%. In layman's language, they are saying that while one person's observations do have an error in them, when you combine the observations of just six people, the error is greatly diminished. Now the perceptions of the behavior of the person being observed are more than two-thirds accurate. That's interesting. 
Um, at Zanger Folkman, those who are taking our 360 are encouraged um, to ask about 13, at least 13 readers um, to participate in the 360. And among those 13, there's almost certain, certainly going to be a spectrum of personal unconscious biases, but each one gets canceled out by the collection of others. And you know, for centuries, legal systems around the world have relied on juries comprised of roughly a dozen people. Why? Because while one person may have a bias toward the defendant or the defendant's behavior on some specific issue, the bias is diluted by the others. Absolutely. Common assumptions about bias have been shown to be incorrect. For example, many would assume that when men assess the leadership effectiveness of their colleagues at work, that they would be more generous toward other men than they would be toward women. The fact of the matter is, in our analysis of nearly one and a half million assessments describing the behavior of over 150,000 leaders, it shows that assumption to be just flat out wrong. Male colleagues' ratings of a female leader are not lower than the ratings of female colleagues of that same leader. Furthermore, overall, women receive higher ratings than males on 13 of the 19 capabilities that we measure, even though there were roughly twice as many male raters. The third is that change starts with awareness. The fundamental purpose of a 360-degree feedback assessment is to give the recipient a heightened sense of self-awareness. Look, no one argues that the 360 process is perfect. It's not, um, but it is the most accurate, effective, and economical way we know to give a person an objective view of how they are perceived by others and to give them that awareness. Yeah, and I think its power comes from giving a constructive dose of usually uplifting information mm -hmm. and disconfirming information about one's behavior. For example, we assessed 1,825 senior leaders on their effectiveness at valuing diversity. Assessments were completed by the manager themselves and their direct reports that knew the managers well. Leaders who were rated in the bottom quartile by their direct reports on valuing diversity rated themselves at the 42nd percentile. Clearly, the managers were not aware of their behavior that conveyed their valuing diversity and inclusion. The starting point for change is helping others understand that their self-perception may be incorrect. Number four, the objectives undergirding social justice are to have individuals in the organization show increasing concern for attaining a diverse workforce that works in ha harmony, having people in the organization feel that they are on the inside looking out, not on the outside looking in, and encouraging people to have a higher sense of belonging. And the last reason why 360s or multi-rater feedback can help individuals uncover their biases is that people can change and improve. Looking at data from over 4,000 leaders comparing their pre-test 360 results to post-test results 
we discovered that 85% of the leaders were able to make a significant positive improvement on one or more competencies. I like what you said in the article that, quote, these objectives are not likely to be achieved by threats, guilt, or a campaign of slogans. This is driven by the attitudes of employees who are likely modeling the example of their leaders. These are noble objectives that will be more likely to occur when the appeal is to the better angels that operate within each of us. Yes, you know, some have worried that because assessments may contain an element of unconscious bias, that all assessments are inappropriate in this period of striving for greater social justice. We've argued and presented evidence for precisely the opposite. It is the practice of gaining insight from multiple perspectives that help individuals see the world in a different way. So multi-rater feedback or 360-degree feedback can give leaders the self-awareness to combat the unconscious bias that swirls about all of us. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast, was written and recorded by Brianna Corin and Jack Sanger and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack Sanger and Joe Folkman, visit our website at sangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to leave us a nice review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on sangerfolkman.com. <laughs>